Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us an opportunity to check out some of the recent guests who've appeared on JM in the AM. Eve Harrow is with us around the time of the One Israel Fund campaign to discuss what's happening in Judea and Samaria. Eve Harrow, a recent guest on JM in the AM. Here she is on JM Rewind at the Nahum Segal Network. Thursday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM. Tonight is the One Israel Fund live stream. To wrap up their amazing campaign, uh, we know what we're doing. We're asking everybody to help the One Israel Fund get to their goal of $360,000. They've already raised $185,000. You can go to oneisraelfund.org, oneisraelfund.org. Click on the Donate button. They have 15 hours to go. We will um, be with them, Bezrat Hashem, tonight. Eve Harrow gave me a blessing that uh, half a day from now, the... Uh, my voice will sound a lot better, please God. And if there's a blessing coming from Israel, I have a feeling that we are confident enough to know that it's going to come true. So please God, I'll sound even better tonight when I host the One Israel Fund live stream. Meanwhile, Eve Harrow is with us live via telephone. She is Director of Tourism and Community Development in Judea and Samaria for the One Israel Fund. And before I introduce her, one of the things that she has done many, many, many times on these airwaves is rightfully yell and scream at the North American Jewish community for not having moved yet to Israel. And as we suffer from this disconnect, as we suffer from this gap, as we suffer from this divide where I can't be with my siblings and where so many people can't be with family and where we can't visit our Holy Land, uh, as we go through all of this, the words that she has said on these airwaves so many times in the last 20 years resonate with me and I'm sure many, many listeners. There is an easy way to solve this problem, and hopefully more and more people will, in fact, solve it in a proper manner. Eve Harrow, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Hi, Nahum. It's great to be here. As you said, I'd rather be with you in person so I can scold you face-to-face than at least on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, one of the one of the best things about having you as a guest is that you tell it like it is. You don't hold back. And, oh yeah. And basically, no, and, no. and there's nothing we can do because we know you're 100 percent right. So I know a lot of people are tuned in right now. I'm sure many of them are heeding your advice and internalizing it. Hopefully, all of us at some point will actually act on it and not have this I hope so. and not have this divide between the diaspora and the state of Israel. Isn't it amazing? how this two-year pandemic, so far two years, has been the vehicle that God has used to remind us that just because we think Israel is always there for us, uh, there are going to be times when we will have zero access. Isn't it amazing in 2021 that it took... It really is incredible. Hashem's got quite a sense of humor. You know, the Jews are known for for being funny, (laughs) disproportionate number of comedians, and we know exactly where we got it from. 100%. The creator. Our creator himself. Uh, Tonight's a big night, and I take your blessing very seriously. I hope to sound even better when I host the live stream this evening. I'm happy to see and to report that uh, already the uh, One Israel Fund and the Give a Little Heart campaign has exceeded half their goal. And I figured we'd uh, speak this morning. You know, so much of what we've discussed about the One Israel Fund over the years has to do with security. And I know that you know that it's a very important topic and one that does, in fact, really speak to the people who are in the diaspora who want to help those in Israel, especially when it comes 
to life-saving situations. But Eve, you know about community development. You know about all the projects that are going on and all the positive stuff that's happening. What could you tell us aside from security that people are supporting when they support this big campaign? Well, look, I think we all love the sound of kids laughing. And the reason that the kids can laugh inside Yudhava Shamran is because of the security blanket that is wrapped around them. And a lot of that, of course, is due to Mark Provisor and his tremendous donors on the One Israel Fund and what they've done. But life goes on in the communities. People are not going to live in a place if it feels like an army camp. And therefore, what I was asked to do about a year and a half ago, when tourism completely went out the window, you know, they just found the embryo or like they found an egg of a dinosaur somewhere in the world, right? Right. And I was thinking to myself, oh, my God, that could be tour guides. We're just like, that's, we're not happening right now. It's been incredibly frustrating because... What I'd love to do and what I've done for the ones who have fun for years is pile people on buses and take them all around New Davisham Run. So a year and a half ago, Scott Feldman said to me, listen, that's not happening, but the community still needs to be developed, and I need somebody to do it, and there's nobody who knows them better than you. So will you do that part? So I switched hats, and that's what I've been doing. And um, it is tremendously gratifying. I have a list of places that my donors have given in the last year and a half that are completed and just waiting for them to come and see the music park in Pnechever, the dance studio in Itamar, the uh, sports field in Nokdim, and on and on and on. But I can't do it without you guys, the people who are listening and the people who really understand that in order to, I would say, also thwart the nefarious plans of a whole lot of people, both in and out of Israel, we have to strengthen life in Yudav Shamron. Um, they, they have to be people here. There have to be communities here. And in order to do that, it is amazing sometimes what one thing can do to get a family to move into a community. One of the projects that I have now on my front burner and I'm going to be going up next week to Migdalim to see what they're talking about. Migdalim is a community just east of the very, very strategic Tapoach Junction. It's the only road that cuts east-west through the Shamron, leads down to the Jordan Valley from Tel Aviv. And it was a community that was struggling for a long time. They had kind of a weak population there. It's a very strategic place, but isolated. They had some attacks. It wasn't great. And they've got some people in there now who are totally changing it. They've got young religious families have come in and people working hard. And they have a plan now to create a little community center and with all kinds of different facilities in it. And one of the aspects of it really caught my eye, which was a place to do um, therapy for women in, who have postpartum depression. So thank God we've got a lot of babies being born in the Shamron. But we also know it was kind of like a hidden thing. I have a master's degree in psychology. This is something that really, you know, I love people and seeing what's going on with people. And so many issues were hidden over the years. Um, if for the people who are going to tune in later tonight to the gala, I have the um, privilege of interviewing Hillel Fult as part of the film. And he speaks very, very openly about mental health issues as well. And it's really something that to a great degree is coming out there now, but people need the help. I mean, you can you could say I have it and you can the women can be suffering, but there needs to be a place and there needs to be help so that she can get back on her feet, she can take care of her family, she can take care of herself. And I thought that was just a great project that they're doing because it's not just for their own community. It's something that's going to draw women from all the communities around. And that's something that we really love to do. For example, in the community of Na'alet, which is a staunchly secular community, they had it in the contract when you joined the community that there would not be a mikvah. 
And a few years ago, some of the people decided that they wanted to have a mikvah, the women there, and they have a tremendous leader of the community because some people said, but what? But we're secular and we don't want a whole religious element coming in. He said, listen, I just built a basketball court and a lot of people here don't play basketball. Not everything we build has to be used by everybody, but if there's a significant number that want it, we're going to do it. And he put up a mikvah with One Israel Fund's help that helps women who um, have physical disabilities, who can't get in on their own and has a special chair so that they don't need help and they can do this very personal and intimate time on their own. And now there are women from religious communities coming to Na'ale in order to use their mikvah. So this idea of um, finding communities that are doing something not just for their own community but for the region is, for me, a major priority. And also finding the people whom I work with because I've gone into some communities and they have a lot of needs, but I'm not seeing anybody who's going to make it happen. You know, that we'll give over money and then in two years' time it's just sitting there. And that's not what I do for my donors. So when we get money and I get a project, I want it up and running within a few months. People work hard. They have a lot of choices about where to give their money to. And I want them to see that when they give to One Israel Fund and they give to these projects, they are being used and used well. And that the person that I'm working with, be it someone from the Binyamin Fund opposite me or the Goshetion Fund, or whether it's somebody in the community itself, what they call the Maskir kind of the secretary of the small community, is somebody that we get each other, we have the same goals, I can trust them, and it, it goes really far. It's not just a matter of writing a check and saying goodbye and, you know, and good luck. It's really staying involved with the community and going there, of course, bringing the donors there and making sure that everything, you know, is maintained and moves the way it's supposed to. So there's a tremendous amount of satisfaction in doing that. Frustration that all you guys haven't been able to come and see what you've done, but let's take advantage of that and get this going today so that when you all come back in a few months' time, we won't even have the days to go around and see everything that's been accomplished in the meantime. So mm-hmm. even while you're not in Israel, you are in Israel. No question about it. Eve Harrow is with us live via telephone from Judea and Samaria. Uh, I think people have uh, followed your advice <clears throat> and have participated, and we know this because the campaign has already achieved half of its goal. <clears throat> Tonight will be with the One Israel Fund. You can go right now to oneisraelfund.org, oneisraelfund.org, and help fund the projects that Eve just outlined. Um, you know, it's funny. At the beginning of um, your presentation this morning, you said that you never know what one thing uh, needs to be done in order to attract people to a community. And you know that aside from supporting Israel, a lot of people in this audience want to support the growth of Judea and Samaria. If we are responsible for families and communities getting larger because we've gone ahead and supported specific causes or specific projects that you've outlined, then we have really helped build and expand the uh, you know the one of the more important parts of Israel, Judea and Samaria. So everything you mentioned and, and in your presentation, I don't know how many there were, there were many, but everything you mentioned, every one of them has the potential to attract individuals and families to that area of Israel. I think it's really important for people to realize that when they support one project, they're not just supporting a project, they're supporting an effort to expand the area. We have a project in a place called Gba'ot in western Gushetan called Spadnachilu, which is a village for kids with special needs. And like the Gabai of the synagogue there has Down syndrome. 
The entire village is built around this school. It's an incredible place. And people have come to live in this area. People also send their kids from Jerusalem to here, the kids who go who don't sleep there, come every single day to Gush Etzion, to this special school, um, because it offers something that they can't get anywhere else. So yeah, they do dog therapy and horses, and the kids take care of the animals. It's just amazing. And, and it really... We punch above our weight here in Yudav Shomron, you know. I mean, we're the heartland, and, and we're the biblical heartland, and we're called, Judea, we're called Jews because of Judea. And we, through the grace of Hashem, have come home. But it's not just about the half a million Jews who are living here. Our um, our nation is so amazing because we are for each other no matter where we are. Middle Ages, if you sent your husband off for months because he, I don't know, he was involved in trading or whatever it was, you knew that a Jewish community thousands of miles away was taking him in and caring for him as you were doing in your community for someone who you'd never even met. That is the strength of our people. That is why we are still here, despite all the attempts by virtually everyone, and they're still ongoing to make sure that we're not. And we are physically holding on to this place. And there's a lot of building and development that's going on from the other side that's being funded by the EU and by other people who do not want to see Jews living once again in our homeland. And so we have to really redouble our efforts. And it's like I was, it was, I was just listening to the, to the Devar Torah before me. When you do chesed, you don't know the ramifications of everything you do. You see someone says thank you, or you see it just right in front of you. But the bigger picture and the waves that you create is something that you'll never know. And so, you know, when people get involved here in the communities and enable us to build something uh, and create a safe haven and a place for the families here, you don't know how far that goes. All right. A lot of it is faith and a lot of it is trust. And I just want to express my appreciation because I know that the last couple of years have been really hard for a lot of people. And I'm definitely not the only one who is not doing what, what they were supposed to be doing and what they were trained to do. And so there's a tremendous appreciation on our part for people's involvement. And I, I really just want to say that I feel very blessed to be here. Uh, Mark Provisor and I are the only two. We don't have an office. We both work out of our homes or in our cars um, in doing what we can. But I feel that there are thousands of people behind us and with us all the time. And that is a great motivator. It really is. And I just want to express my appreciation to all of you for getting involved. Well, and we'll express our appreciation for what you do uh, on the ground. Um, it sounds like there's a battle going on as you describe how the EU is funding the other side and they're trying their best to make inroads. It sounds like there's a real battle, and we get to support the army, uh, the army of God and the army of Israel that you are part of because we get to support the One Israel Fund. And by the way, maybe one of the reasons the campaign is doing well is because people have now taken the money they would have used to go to Israel, that they would have used to spend in Israel. Maybe, uh, maybe instead of um, uh, uh, instead of going, which we know, you know, right now it's so hard to go. Uh, maybe they've taken the money that they would have used in 2021 to go to Israel and spend in Israel. They've given it to the One Israel Fund. I hope. I hope people. Well, then I hope everyone had a first-class ticket and was staying at the King David. <laughs> to turn that over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> spoken like a true, like a true tour coordinator. Uh, well, there you have it, folks. You have an opportunity to support this cause right now uh, by increasing the uh, over 50 percent. Um, success so far of the One Israel Fund in their campaign. Uh, just go to oneisraelfund.org, oneisraelfund.org. 
org and Give a Little Heart. That's the name of the campaign, Give a Little Heart, and they're aiming for $360,000 by 11 p.m. Eastern Time tonight, and I look forward to joining everybody tonight for the big celebration beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, it's oneisraelfund.org, oneisraelfund.org. Eve Harrow is Director of Tourism and Community Development in Israel. And Eve, do me a favor. Uh, I described the gap. I described the divide. I described just how disconnected we are to the Holy Land. Give us a final word of uh, optimism. Give us a final word of of what we uh, we six thousand miles away from the Holy Land should be thinking at this time. Well, we're not going anywhere. So you know, we're here. We're doing what has to be done. And I know you guys are going to get back here soon. I live in Efrat. I'm looking out my window right now at Beit Lechem, Beit Lechem of David Hamelech, of Ruth, of Boaz, of tremendous Chesed, because that's what Nigida Ruth was all about. And um, and that's what's going to sustain us. We're still here, and we will continue to be here for a long time. You can take part in it or not, but I think this is something that you want to be able to take part in because this is really much, much bigger than it looks. And as a and as a personal thing, Nachum, ginger, honey, <laughs> lemon juice, that'll help you throw it a lot. I appreciate that. As, I, <laughs> as, I, as I've told the audience, I've been taking ginger every day for the last 20 years, ever since a listener recommended it. And uh, anybody who's been yep. paying careful attention, they know that for me, this is really rare, really, really rare. I mean, uh, in the old days, used to suffer from this a lot, but uh, this has not happened in quite a while. Uh, looking forward to participating with you tonight, Eve. Uh, blessings to everybody in the Holy Land. Dashcham, as we say, and thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you to everybody. Take care, Nachum. Feel good. One is re- one. Yes, we will certainly see you later, and we'll speak later because we'll both be part of that amazing broadcast this evening, ladies and gentlemen. I said this yesterday when we were doing our own campaign. Even when we are asking you to support us, we are asking you to support great causes. Nobody does that. Today, it's a it's a, such an important cause. A strong One Israel Fund is a strong future of the state of Israel. That's it. And I think you got that from the conversation we just had with Eve Harrow. Oneisraelfund.org, oneisraelfund.org. Join us 8 p.m. Eastern Time tonight. Um, for all the uh, for all the action, oneisraelfund.org again tonight. All the action when we uh, present the One Israel Fund live stream beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern time. An honor to be part of it. The campaign wraps up at 11 p.m. tonight. Support the One Israel Fund. You're listening to JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Eve Harrow. Mark Provisor, the One Israel Fund Director of Security, was with us recently. We discussed security in Yudan Shomron. Mark Provisor, recent guest on JM in the AM. Here he is on JM Rewind on the Nahum Siegel Network. Of course, Thursday night, we're going to be concentrating on the One Israel Fund live stream and that presentation, which we did last year to tremendous success, Baruch Hashem. Those of you who care about Israel and care about Yudan Shomron, you'll have your opportunity to display that care and to um, really exhibit that care. Uh, by supporting the campaign that will culminate uh, late Thursday night Eastern time when we have the um, honor of hosting that live event uh, with One Israel Fund. And and the Mark Provisor, who is uh, a wonderful friend of ours and who is the director of security for the One Israel Fund, is with us live via telephone. It is wonderful to speak to a couple of people in Israel today on the air 
as we continue to experience this disconnect between Israel and the diaspora. Mark Provisor, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Absolutely. At, at least they haven't uh, forbidden uh, phone calls at this point, you know? <laughs> Although with Bezek, you never know, right? <laughs> that, that's true. That is true. Yes. Uh, and, you mentioned, <laughs> and you mentioned to me off the air, for those who read about the, the, the impending storms in Israel, you mentioned to me off the air that those storms have already begun. Oh, yeah. 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 So you got... we're, we're having right now heavy, heavy winds, a few electrical outages. Yeah. So yeah. You got a rough weather situation there. Uh, before we talk about the One Israel Fund, before we talk about the needs and um, and, and encourage people to be tuned in on Thursday, uh, Mark, I need your comment. I need your comment about what happened last week. I need your comment about how the Dimitman family is now suffering. I need your comment about how it seems the enemy finds creative ways to always take away our best and our brightest, and in this case, our youngest. Uh, or member of the younger generation, uh, what is your reaction to what I would guess at this point the majority, if not all, of our listeners are familiar with this terrorist attack last week in uh, in Samaria? Yeah, I, I actually just came back from there this morning, uh, where I was actually uh, sitting with the security chief. We were reviewing the situation, and again, just seeing like. If there was anything we could have done, what can we do? What can we learn? I mean, sometimes, uh, you know, in the world of security, you have to treat some things also like a professional, and you have to ice up a little bit just to see how you can make things better. But there was no, there was no getting around the, the feelings of uh, of this. I mean, it was just a horrible situation. I mean, there's a look. Thank God, the IDF responded quickly and was able to capture the terrorists, but. For me, I take it hard because we work pretty much 24-7 trying to prevent things like this. And there's at times it seems like there are limits to what what we can do. Um, and then, I'll answer the question in a, in a strange way. Terrorism and counterterrorism are the most creative aspects that there are in security. Uh, the land around there where this occurred is uh, is kind of tough terrain. There are various dead spots, um, and it happens. Now, we're hearing about one attack. One thing that you're not hearing about is the amount of attacks that have been prevented also. Right. Uh, their, their want and will to throw us out of this land is not decreasing at all, and I would even say increasing due to popularity getting from around the world and the, the, the demonizing of of the people of Judea and Samaria who, just like in any place, I think 99% are incredible. So it's, a, it's an ongoing challenge, if you will. And there are so, so many roads and so many hiding places and so many boundaries to secure and only so many cameras you could put up. I mean, look, you're yeah. right. You're right. We should emphasize how people in this country and other places have actually funded the ability uh, for you and your team to actually protect the Jews of Judea and Samaria. But you know how it is. When, when, when an episode gets by, when something happens, it just reminds us of how volatile a life can be, and it reminds us that uh, you know families end up suffering for God knows how long, uh, forever actually, because of their yes. loved ones being taken from them. So, but, but again... Uh, this is unfortunately this is not new to you. You have been through this so many times, 
And I think the point you make about the enemy is no less anxious to um, uh, to destroy us, you know, as the Abraham Accords uh, continue along that road and diplomacy between Israel and other countries continues to increase in so many areas and cooperation between Israel and other countries increases when it comes to either security in Israel or just, you know, general security around the world. We sometimes get lulled into a sense of security that things are getting right. better and better. But the enemy has no change to their agenda. They want to kill and destroy as much as possible. It's you know there there is another thing when you mentioned how families how people are damaged and yeah. and hurt. Uh, the first reason actually that I went up was because of the they have a young security chief there, um, and this was his first murderous attack. Oh boy! Where he had to see a friend uh, that he knew uh, get hurt and, and and lying next to him, and he actually gave cause. Uh, I mean, I guess for those who don't know, I was a security chief also till right. 2006, right. and I have been through more than my fair share of terrorism. And he had called me up last night, and I, you know, and he said, "Can I? Can you come up? Can we talk?" I had spoken to him a little bit before, and he said, "I need to talk with you." And my main point of going up there was to sit with him. You know, there there are some things that donor dollars just cannot do. And personal experience can, and it was uh, brought me back in time a little bit. But uh, I was glad to see the, the the strength of these guys, of these security chiefs, who are there, in my mind are, are unsung heroes. And uh, but we we trudge on, we yeah. trudge on. You certainly do. Uh, the One Israel Fund reminds us to give a little heart. Where does your heart lie? If the answer is your heart lies in the heartland of Israel, then please, please get ready for this coming Wednesday and Thursday, and specifically Thursday night when we help wrap up the campaign, a $360,000 campaign to support the One Israel Fund in 36 hours. You can go to oneisraelfund.org, oneisraelfund.org, and you can donate right now, but you could certainly uh, be um, uh, you could certainly be part of our uh, live stream this coming Thursday night. And uh, part of the 36 hours between Wednesday and Thursday when the One Israel Fund uh, wants to achieve their goal like they did really nicely last year. Our community did really well uh, for the One Israel Fund last year. And I hope again this second year of the pandemic uh, that we're able to do it again. And Mark Provisor, that's really the point I want to make this morning uh, with you on the phone. And that is that it's year two of the pandemic. And last year, thank God, uh, we were able to achieve the goal for One Israel Fund as um we emphasize that even though people can't really travel to Israel nearly as much, as much as it's more difficult to uh, bring groups to wherever they need to get to, et cetera, et cetera, we all know the problems. Nonetheless, the security issues remain and the needs remain. I have to assume that 12 months later, you could tell us that the security issues remain and the needs remain. I, I can, you know, I, I wish I could say different. Yes, the needs do remain, the challenges do remain, but I can say that, there, you know, there's great improvement in, in from last year till now in the way that we are dealing with these challenges. The, due to people who were taking part in, in the projects, I mean, I'm just coming from the security world, but right. in security projects, we have, Wow. You know, I sit with the IDF a lot, obviously, and, and just the efficiency that we are working at now is just something incredible, where even to the point where they're learning from, from us, from a lot of these vanguard projects that we've taken on, 
we, it, it's a constant improvement. Now, continued, yes, there is a constant challenge and so on, but we are moving up there. And, well, well give, as, us, give us an example of something that okay, our, that our listeners have, uh, have funded that you've been able to implement. Okay, absolutely. Look, there are, there, we always talk about various perimeter systems, and technology grows and grows, and we have our hand on it. And we've been able to place cameras in strategic locations that are able to provide and protect not just these communities, but prevent any acts of violence. The drone project has just been crazy. These are things, these are projects that really what Israel Fund was the vanguard. We started doing this and started supplying drones that not only that, just equipment, but supplying training. Because you can give someone something, but if they don't know how to use it properly, then, it, then it's a waste. And so the amount of surveillance we've been able to do is just incredible. Some of our projects, like the Guy Project, which is a mobile thermal uh, surveillance system, is not only being used in Judea and Samaria, and we have continued requests for it, but has now been, in, you know, been put into use by, by the government also. And these are things that we, we searched out, we researched, we put into use, and everyone came about, the communications system. I mean, I wish the Army would finish giving out all the units that they bought, but the communication system has been revamped over here. The emergency medical, uh, it's a, I call it a security chief medical kit, uh, emergency kit, sorry. This has been, saved so many lives. It's a, it's a I call it a lefty da, go figure kit, because we put everything in there that a security chief, who is the first responder, could possibly need. Right. And so in, in leaps and bounds, in leaps and bounds, the, the security has improved, and we're continuing. It's, it's, because like I said, you know, if there's one thing that I'm very proud of One Israel Fund, it's not just, it's not just a, a, a pipe, a passageway to put a donation and you see a nice project and so on. We, we are part of the solution. Yep. It's not just that we are making the solutions, that we are making changes. And, and I think that's so important. And that's why I'm so proud of the organization. You know, they, they, besides the fact that they have to put up with someone like me, which, I mean, you know, you've met me in person, so it's not always that easy. But we're, we, it, it's just incredible. And to see the appreciation that we get from, from the various, uh, you know, from the Ministry of Defense, from, from the IDF, even tonight I was just invited to a very serious uh, IDF ceremony because of, of the, the contribution that One Israel Fund has made in preventing violence and keeping people alive. And that is something I really like to do. Yeah, and the IDF understands the value of that, as does the Israeli government. Got to give them credit, of course. And they uh, yeah. are doing what they can to help. I know that sometimes it gets frustrating because when you deal with bureaucratic organizations, you don't always get what you want. But uh, uh, nonetheless, they are often very there. Uh, they, they are often there for the uh, for the very cause that you are. Uh, fighting for Mark Provisors with us. I want to remind everybody that we will be live Thursday night with the One Israel Fund. You go to oneisraelfund.org, oneisraelfund.org. Last year, Kalakavot, everybody, they achieved their goal uh, almost immediately. It was an amazing feeling, and we're hoping that they do the same this year because the needs are great and because the security needs and the um, and the projects that are there to help build different aspects of communities in Judea and Samaria are still there and continue to be there even 12 months later, a year later, when so many of us have not been able to visit Judea and Samaria um, during this pandemic. So again, please go to oneisraelfund.org, oneisraelfund.org. And Mark, I assume we'll hear from you at some point during Thursday night show as well when we do the finale. I Probably so. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> yes, I, so. I will be online. You know, We'll see what time it is here, but uh, yeah. 
You must have been impressed that uh, you must have been impressed that the diaspora jury. I mean, I'm sure that some people in Israel as well, but the diaspora jury got everybody to the goal pretty quickly last time around. I I want to say first of all, I was impressed, but there's something that I find frustrating that more people. I, I, I mean, I know the you know the whole concept of fundraising concept, and and people do what they can. I don't think people are very much still aware of necessarily how we're growing. And over here, I mean, the communities that are that are growing, that are expanding. I mean, my God, things are, are keep on popping up, and 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 watching the beauty and the development here, and and that remains a challenge. And there's, I call it, it's like the day, the dark side and the light side. Whereas Eve Harrow, who works on on the light side, beautifying the life in the communities and so on, and I work on trying to keep that life going up. It's important. It's really, really important that because the stronger that we grow here in Judea and Samaria, I personally believe the more of a chance that we have to bring peace to this region and quiet and those blessings that we've spoken about so often. Wow, what an interesting way to end. That is a people don't realize that, that uh, the work that you're doing actually could lead to peace in a more stabilized region. People just don't get that. Well, that's why I do it. Yeah, <laughs> I like peace. And I'm glad you mentioned it. Oneisraelfund.org, everybody. will remind everyone as we get closer and closer. Mark Provisor, Kolakavo, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you, Nachum. It's been great. Uh, Director of Security, Judea and Samaria for One Israel Fund. He's Mark Provisor and uh, always updates us on what's happening in a place that's very, very special to all of us. More coming up at JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Mark Provisor. Jason Shamis joined us recently on JM in the AM. Here's my conversation with Jason on JM Rewind on the Nahum Siegel Network. Jason Shamis is with us live via telephone. He has been CEO and Executive Vice President of the UJA Federation of Northern New Jersey since 2011. A variety of topics to discuss with him this morning here on JM in the AM. A pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. I appreciate that very much. You know, just uh, about, a, what is it, about 40 minutes ago, we had a conversation on the air with somebody in Israel about the um, the terrible, at least we're feeling it's terrible, uh, disconnect between Israel and diaspora jury during the last two years of the pandemic. And I was demanding that, frankly, the administration, that the leaders in Israel um, make people in diaspora at least feel like they're not being forgotten. Uh, during this period of time, obviously, I'd love for them to open up free travel, etc. But you know, my expectations <laughs> are limited. Y- you're a leader in the federation, and the federation was a recipient of a letter on this topic from the prime minister. What are your impressions of what this lockdown or this pandemic situation has done uh, with the divide between Israel and diaspora jury over the last two years? So I wouldn't necessarily call it a divide. I would say it's a, it's a tremendous missed opportunity. When you look at programs, gap year programs, Massah programs, Birthright Israel, family trips, synagogue trips, federation trips, all organizational trips, not having those means we're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of Jews who aren't having the same opportunity to connect with the homeland. And especially for those on their first, second, or even third trip, you're not hitting those pre emotional elements that give context to the importance of Israel in the diaspora community. I think that's the that's the real challenge here. Yeah, no question about it. Well, I'm hoping that things will 
improve in this area very quickly. It doesn't seem to be going in that direction, but I think that people in Israel need to know. And I know they want us to move there, and I know that there's plenty of easy solutions, so to speak. Uh, but I think there are a lot of people whose only connection to our tradition and heritage is that connection to Israel. And it's so important that we uh, that we get that back as soon as possible. Jason Shamas is with us live via telephone, CEO at the Jewish Federation of Northern New Jersey. There are a lot of things you've been involved with recently. I know you have a new director of security um, that's uh, essentially in charge of the uh, the task of working with synagogues, day schools, agencies on security measures and practices to keep them safe. We see what's happening in schools nationwide. We see how, unfortunately, emergencies pop up on a regular basis. And, of course, you add the Jewish component, and we're always concerned that our institutions uh, could be targeted. What could you tell us about the way this is being handled now in 2021? So we woke up to a new world, uh, you know, 10 years ago, actually, long before um, Pittsburgh. We had an incident in, in northern New Jersey and Bergen County where two kids wound up uh, firebombing. They made homemade Molotov cocktails at um, four, six different synagogues, sorry, in Bergen, including one where they injured a rabbi in Rutherford. Right. And we made realization and connection at that time that we needed to work better communally to establish institutional frameworks and lines of communications and relationships between the Jewish institutions and the local municipality. We needed to up the game on our assessments, both of the hardenings of targets and things like that. And about four years ago, we hired our first community security director. We raised uh, quite a lot of money to do so. Um, and we're happy to have Tim Terrell on board now. He was recently with the Englewood Police Department for almost 30 years. And what he's trying to do is, once again, ensure that these synagogues have the relationships. They know how to report in incidents of bias and anti-Semitism. We're going to do assessments again to make sure that everyone has the appropriate mechanisms for keeping somebody out and containing any incident within the building and things like that. It is critical. It's yeah. critical. And and from your standpoint, it works. I mean, again, we can't possibly predict what might have happened, God forbid. But from your standpoint, it works because you see that the day schools and the synagogues are on top of this matter, and that they and then when they see that there are people, especially uh, in federation in this type of position when it comes to security, who are who are on top of things and ready to respond and ready to give good advice, they know that they've got to be on top of their game. Look, it does seem to be working. I think people do generally feel safer. The initial challenge in balance was how do you prevent people from coming into institutions that require people to come in? Right. Right. You know, JCC, synagogues, all these schools, you want more people in the building. You want community in these environments. And here we were setting up barriers for people, you know, the one, the, the needle in the haystack that was going to cause damage to not have that access. But we didn't want it to harm others. So I think that what we've successfully been able to do with this paradigm is make it more difficult for those who want to harm us without overly negatively impacting those who want to participate. And that's the the, the success of this. Yeah, well, it's certainly a good the, goal. Yeah, look, the other thing I'm going to add, which people have to very much understand because it's nuanced, is reporting. And what we noticed, uh, uh, you know, 10 years ago was that there were a lot of incidents of anti-Semitism, mostly harassment on a street or, you know, near an institution, a swastika or some other graffiti type stuff. And it simply wasn't getting reported because 
no one knew what to do with it. And you see now that every incident is reported and followed up and investigated with. And, you know, we owe law enforcement a lot of gratitude for that, too. No question about it. And I guess that that's why, I mean, it could be one of the reasons why we see uh, numbers of these incidents going up. Uh, only because one of the reasons, because we see that there's more attention being paid to reporting. And if there's more reporting, obviously, there's going to be more official data on things. Well, that 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 has always been the question that I personally have had, is that these number of incidents have skyrocketed in the last couple of years. But that's because New Jersey recently, I think five, six years ago, and we were involved in this, put a put a law in the books where institutions had to report every hate and bias incident. Right. Look across the board. I know we're more concerned with the Jewish community on this call, but you know, even if you look at the LGBTQ community and you look at African American or Black community, you look at the Asian community, Hispanic, it's all shooting up. But that's because it's required by law that every little thing be reported. Jason Shamas is with us live via telephone, CEO of the Jewish Federation of Northern New Jersey. By the way, if you're in this position for 11 years, you're a good person to ask. Has has there been a, a a tremendously large increase in Jewish population in the area you serve over the last 11 years, or it's basically been stable? Uh, it's an excellent question. So we are um, currently going under a strategic planning process for the entire community. We have hired a company to do our, our data research. I'll have a much better answer for you in probably six months. If I had to guess, up until COVID, we were probably growing a little bit. You know, Keenek in particular has right. seen a growth of some of the area up what I call the, the Palisades Corridor, places like Tenafly, Creskill, Demarest, Norwood, North South Towns like that. COVID was a little bit of a game changer. You know, there's the meme that was going around that Governor Cuomo was the real estate agent <laughs> of the year in Florida. Right. It certainly affected us. And what we saw was, um, you're laughing, but yes. We saw a, a large departure for, for Florida, a lot for tax reasons, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not sure. I would say we're relatively stable. The day school population, which was growing and was one of our barometers, a couple hundred students a year was a barometer. But um, you'll have to ask me again in six months. I don't want to give uh, misinformation. And, pl and please, God, we will, because uh, that's a very interesting topic. I thought for sure the answer would be it's growing like crazy. I didn't consider what's been happening over the last couple of years. A and finally, um, you can give us a little bit of inside information. We know that the state of New Jersey divested from Unilever. And anybody in this audience likely knows about the whole Ben & Jerry's fiasco situation, however you want to refer to it. Um, what was that like, and uh, is it a big deal that the state of New Jersey, in fact, did this? Um, I would say it was one of the more positive. Well, the incident is actually very hurtful. Right. You know, I was I, I used to eat Ben and Jerry's. I don't eat it anymore. I love my ice cream. If you look <laughs> at me, you'll know I love ice cream. But the yeah, I was irate. I mean, I find it so offensive to the core that a company is singling out Israel and blaming Israel in this conflict, that it makes me really want to return my ice cream to the sender. But in this case, you know, we had lobbied hard in Trenton for anti-BDS legislation. And when news broke, the first thing I did was I called our acting attorney general, Andrew Bruck, who was very receptive. You know, he really laid down the process for me. So I understood that because it was an investment and divestment issue, 
that it sat in the Treasury Department and the Division of Investments. I checked in periodically, sent letters. Um, we were promised an, a, a thorough, nonpartisan sort of, you know, honest assessment of it. And I was given a heads up a couple of days before that it was going to be released the findings, what the process was for Unilever. I wasn't told exactly what it was, but I was hinted enough to know that we were in good shape. And uh, I was pretty happy. I'm quite elated with it. I, I also want to thank Arizona, who did it first. We were second. Right. And I think New York and Florida are on the docket, too. Now, it's $200 million on a several billion dollar company. But at the end of the day, it's a powerful message. And I think it bodes well for the state of New Jersey that we did the right thing. No, 100 percent. The publicity. And by the way, the process, again, with Morningstar, the investment company. Right. Uh, and the publicity certainly is um, is a really important message, uh, whether, again, whether it's uh, relatively speaking a lot of money or not, that's not the issue. It's the message that's out there, um, and people like yourself are behind that message, and that's uh, something to be proud of. Uh, J- Jason, I'm sorry? No, we were extremely active. I spent many, many hours on explaining why this was uh you know, a violation of not just our law, but really hypocrisy of human rights, too. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Jason Shamas is CEO and Executive Vice President of the uh, Jewish Federation of Northern New Jersey. You're based in Paramus, right? We're based in Paramus because our entire catchment area is uh, kind of that sort of the center geographically, yeah. Mm, very cool. Hope to come and visit you one day. you got to come out. Yeah, I'd like to That's do that. Uh, a, real pl- <laughs> a real pleasure speaking to you. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. All right. Take care. Thank you. Jason Shamas, uh, Jewish Federation, Northern New Jersey, and America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. That was my conversation with Jason Shamas. Thanks so much for tuning in. Plenty more coming up if you keep it right here at the NahumSiegel Network.